0: Relationship with Christ is an intentional relationship. To do the things that God's called us to do, like it takes intentionality, it takes focus, it takes saying yes to some things, saying no to other things, and oftentimes when we say like, we've made a New Year's resolution, we, we, we can say, I'm, I'm saying on December 31st at 1159, I'm saying no to something for the remainder of the year. Like I'm saying no to cookies and I said no on the first, and then I said yes on the second. So, uh, but but to, but when it comes to our relationship with Christ, when it comes to man, who uh, God do you want to make me into this year? Oftentimes, again, I, I just thinking about myself. Oftentimes, I just kind of expect it to happen. And I put more intentionality about eating healthy and losing weight and managing my finances and being a better husband and being a better dad. And although none of those things are bad, but when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, which everything else kind of flows out of. So if I want to be a better husband, I should probably be a better follower of Jesus. If I want to be a better dad, I should probably be a better follower of Jesus. If I want to be a better friend, I should probably follow Jesus a little closer. And and, and, and the things that I hope just happen don't. It takes intentionality. And so what we've looked at, what we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks is, is making war on the things that keep us from living the life that God has created us to live. Just to kind of give a precursor to that statement, oftentimes when I hear... When I've heard sentences and statements like that made living the life that God has created me to live, too often I associate that life that God wants me to live with pain-free, with issue-free, with struggle-free living. And nowhere in the scriptures does Jesus promise that if you follow me, all your problems will be solved. Here on earth, we deal with an overwhelming amount of problems. And the amazing thing about the blessed life is that it's not a life that simply is is God removing the things that would make our life difficult, but the blessed life, when we come to know Christ, is understanding that we have been blessed insurmountably more than simply what exists on this earth, but we have been saved from the worst of ourselves, and we're the worst of ourselves would take us, which is eternal separation from hell. And so the blessed life is not a pain, issue, struggleless life. I hate to say it, but when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we turn from who we were and begin a new life as a new creation, the biggest question that often comes to me is, well, what happens with everything else? What happens with everything that I've done? And this morning, as I've been praying for our time together, the, the topic that we're going to be talking about is making more on getting past your past. Um, it's a difficult topic to talk about. It's one of my favorite topics to talk about because it doesn't matter who you are, you all have a past. I have a past. And so if we could just even the playing field a little bit, how many of you say, yes, I have a past? There's been a, a past tense to my life. Can you just raise your hand? All right, now everybody look around. We are all on the same level. So, no matter what you come in with today, know that we've all got things to deal with, we've all got situations to overcome. And I believe that if we allow God to begin to work in the midst of our lives, not simply redeeming our present and our future, but really having the power to redeem our past, I believe that we would see God begin to transform and move in ways that we've been praying for and never expecting because when we look at our past today, we're going to be looking at, at just three simple tactics on how to make more when it comes to getting past your past, and I know this is a complicated topic, and there's a lot of weight to it, so I feel, I know we've prayed a lot already, but I feel like I need to pray again, so let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time, God, I thank you for the truth of your word. God, I thank you that you're not simply a redeemer of our presence and our future, but Jesus, you are the, redeemers of our, you are the redeemer of our past as well. And so God, no matter what we've walked in here with, no matter what we've walked in here from, God, I believe and I speak in faith and in boldness, God, that you have a plan, for our worst mistakes. That you have a purpose for our greatest failures. God, you have a plan to restore, to bring hope, to bring life. God, where the things that we would hope to forget, God, when they're redeemed by you, there's purpose to them. So God, would you speak that over us today? Would you speak that over me today? Would you encourage us today? In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy is in the New Testament, uh, uh, chapter 1. We're going to be looking at 1 Timothy chapter 1. And I believe, uh, like we said, that one of the things that I think keeps us from being effective when it comes to living the life that you and I have been created and purposed to live is that you and I have, have a tendency of looking at our past and looking at who we were, possibly before Jesus, as a debilitating hindrance or an obstacle when it comes to the furtherance of the gospel. And too often, too many of us look at the laundry list of things that we've done and who we were and determine that you and I have been disqualified because of our past. And and, and we've been disqualified from what God has, has planned for our lives. We think that what we've done and who we were are our permanent identities. And I have to remember that in Christ, I am redeemed. In Christ, you are redeemed, that your past has been redeemed. See, the the, the amazing thing about Jesus is that when he comes and becomes everything in my life and in your life, you and I are not who we once were. That you and I once... That, but the, but the ones that, that Jesus has come into our life, he, he makes us into a new creation. So what we've been carrying with us, what we brought with us, it doesn't doesn't apply to our present and our future anymore. But that's not simply to encourage us to continue to sin. Kind of like uh, when you're playing cards and you've got that ace up your sleeve. That the the grace is not the ace up the sleeve that I can do whatever I want and God's going to forgive me for. Like I believe with a repentant heart and spirit, He will and He does. But If you've ever been taken advantage of in a relationship, how's that feel? And I think too often what I've done in my life is I've taken advantage of the grace and the relationship that Jesus offered because I want to do what I want, but know that I don't have to go to hell. And so when we look at, when it comes to who we were, that God's grace is not the ace up our sleeve to continue to sin because we just know that God's going to forgive us because that's what he's supposed to do. I love what Paul says in the book of Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 1. It says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? See, because if we say that our lives have been changed by Christ, then our life's response to Christ changing our lives is to live our lives changed. See, if we say that we've been made new with Christ, but our life doesn't look any different, have, has our life been changed? See, but God has a plan for your past, and he has a plan for, for my past, the things that we would love to remain hidden in the dark for the rest of our lives, if we—if if it ever saw the light of day, people would truly know who we were. Uh, I, I just have to ask a question, why would that be so bad? The things that I think we try to keep so far hidden first, if we could just keep that closet door shut. Like I know I'm a new creation in Christ, I know that I've been been forgiven, I know that I've been restored, I know that I've been redeemed, but here I'm just gonna keep this closet door shut because if anybody saw that, they would have still really see how much of a mess I was. And can I ask the question again, why would that be so bad? Still with me? First, still on First Timothy, if you have a Bible or a phone. First Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 12, let's read this together. It says this This is what Paul says. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve Him. Even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ, in my insolence I persecuted His people, but God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that comes from Christ Jesus. This is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Think about what Paul's writing here. Like if we really, I mean, this this blows me away every time I read it to the extent of what Paul is writing. And as I read the words that Paul wrote, what I'm sensing is an overwhelming greatness to God that through Christ, he's not simply been saved, he's been transformed. Paul is saying, I haven't simply been saved, but my life, my countenance, who I am and who I was has been transformed. There's also an openness to the reality of his past. He lays out some pretty heavy adjectives Paul does to describe himself. We'll look at those in just a little bit. And I also see, as I read through this, someone who realizes that, yes, indeed, I have a past. As I think about Paul's life, as I think about that, that Damascus Road experience where, where um I was gonna make a bad joke. And, but as, as the Damascus Road experience where God, where the Holy Spirit like knocks him off of his donkey, puts scales over his eyes. He has this encounter with God, and then and then God anoints him and sets him forth to be what the world would know as the greatest minister, pastor, church planter the world has ever known. And I can't even imagine what it would be like for Paul to go back as being a persecutor of the church, of being a murderer of Christians, to walk back into towns to to minister to moms and children who he has widowed and orphaned. Think about what Paul's saying in all of this. Think about the weight that comes with this. Think about having you address somebody and tell them about this Savior that, that loves you so much and when you're speaking because you probably murdered that person's family member. I mean, there is a weight and a power, and Paul is saying, yes, there is a past. Yes, there are circumstances that I am not proud of, but instead of seeing his past as a hindrance or an obstacle, he sees it as a great tool to be used for the furtherance of the gospel. Paul realizes that his past reveals the goodness of God and the amazing grace of Jesus Christ. So I've got just three little simple tactics. The first one is mental. The the, the second two are our action steps, like practical, physical action steps. So if you're taking notes, tactic number one is this. Uh, Your past does not have to determine your destination. You are in process. Your past does not have to determine your destination. You are in process. You see, just because you do or have done something doesn't mean that it's who you are. Or worse yet, it doesn't mean that it's who you're going to become. If you allow it to be, then you will. But God's got a greater plan for your past. God's got a greater greater plan for the things that you've done. What an awful life it would be to live to know that that we would become the sum total of our worst mistakes. But God, through Christ, offers us grace for the process that you and I call life. Because we're all in process. We're not done yet. I mean, I think if, if there was ever a more hopeful statement to life, it would be that, that we are not done yet. I mean, I'm learning more things every day about everything it feels like, specifically about being a dad to girls. Like, I am so... It's just overwhelming sometimes. The emo- the, just the emotional swings... And, and I'm not just talking about Taylor Madison. I mean, it's just, it's, Jen's not here, so I can say whatever I want. Um, but no, uh, but it's amazing that the process that I found myself in over the last seven years of being a dad, Um The things that I'm learning, the things that, you know, the the, the understanding that I'm not done and I'm going to mess up and I'm going to make mistakes, but man, that I, I, I learned from the things that, the places that I've been, I've learned from the circumstances that I've failed in because, man, if there's ever been a hopeful statement for your life and for my life, man, it's the fact that we're not done yet. God's not done with us because if you've got breath in your lungs, God is still working on you. God is still working in you. God is still working through you. As long as you have breath in your lungs, you are not done yet. Uh, Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 6, I find a lot of encouragement from what Paul says. He says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would be willing to die for an upright person. Though some might might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. See, because of Christ, I have hope that my destination and my eternity have been finalized. But what do I do with the rest of this life? See, God through Christ offers me and offers all of us grace from our past and hope for our futures which means that you're not the sum total of your worst mistakes. It means you're not the sum total of the worst thing that you've ever done. You're not the sum total of, 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 of maybe even decades of horrible decisions and horrible choices. The fact is man, when Christ comes into your life, becomes your center, becomes not simply your Lord, but, your, but not simply becomes your Savior, but becomes your Lord, what He does is He puts on a trajectory, a purpose for your past. And so you have to know and you have that confidence and have that the assurance of the fact that man, when Christ comes into your life. You are not finished yet. You are a work in progress. There is a destination, yes, for you. But God's still working on you. And that leads us to to tactic number two is, is, is this. When the devil reminds you of who you were, inform him of who you are. So growing up in youth group, I would often hear—I uh, would often hear uh, pastors and youth convention speakers like just bell from the microphone that the devil reminds you of your past, you remind him of your future. And oftentimes, I'm, I'm fine with that. Like I think that's still—I think that's right. Uh, but sometimes I, I need something a little more immediate. You know what I mean? Like, like sometimes I don't want to wait for the meal to get done. Sometimes I just want to drop a dollar ninety-nine and get a burrito from Taco Bell. I need something a little more immediate. I need something a little more in the moment, you know what I'm saying? Because because my fut- I, I love looking towards my future. In my future, I'm awesome. I give my future like I've conquered the things that I need to conquer. And, but in my presence it's a little more immediate. It's a little more dire. There's a little more urgency when it comes to the present. And so, oftentimes, when the voice of Satan would come into our lives, when we went through that old static series, when the static of the voice of the enemy comes into our lives, sometimes I can't wait to remind him of my future. So what I have to do is I have to remember who I am now, and I have to dish that back. And and the thing that I think is so Incredibly hilariously predictable About the devil Is he has nothing to use on you Except what you've done He doesn't know your future And so all he has to use Is the things that you've done He's, The only thing that he has to use Is your past tense And so in in these moments where I, 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 man, there's these moments where in my life that I just, that Rolodex of my mistakes just continues to play out in my head. The Rolodex of the things I shouldn't have said, the things I shouldn't have done, the, the thoughts I shouldn't have thought, I mean, just all those things. You guys know what I mean? When like the Rolodex of your past just begins to kick in. When the Rolodex begins to kick into the things that I've done, I have to remember of who I am. And so what I want to give you, so I want to give you 10. There's more than 10, but I want to give you just some, some, some things that you can use when your past gets brought up in, in a negative way. I want to give you some ammunition. So ready? So if you're taking, we'll leave it up for a while because it's a lot. So here's, here it is. You are, I'm going to give you something. You are, you are a friend of God's. You are a new creation. You are a co-heir with Christ. You are God's workmanship. You are a son or daughter of God. You are not condemned because of your past. You are a citizen of heaven. You are, I love number eight, because you're not just a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. You kick the things that people have conquered in the teeth. Because you are more than. You are the righteousness of God. You are God's temple and the dwelling place of his spirit. In Christ, that is who you are now. What you did and what you've done have no authority over your life anymore because of Jesus You are more than your past mistakes. You are more than your worst decision. You are more than your past. Satan will condemn you for what you've done. He will remind you of who you were. And every time that voice comes up reminding you of who you are, make war on your past by declaring offensively who you are. And then let me tell you, the Bible is so full of so many other things that you and I are because of Christ. I just gave you ten. And so what do we talk about? We talk talk about the fact that your past does not have to determine your destination, you're in process. When the devil reminds you of who you were, inform him of who you are. And tactic number three is this. This is my favorite. Use your past as a tool of hope. Use your past as a tool of hope. Let's go back to 1 Timothy chapter 1 for for just a quick second. Uh, Chelsea, if you can throw that up on the the screen. If not, that's fine. Um, But but let's take a look at what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that he won in that list of things that he was. It says that he won blaspheming the name of Christ. That sounds pretty rough. He blasphemed the name of Christ. He persecuted Christians. And he goes so far as to say that that when that trustworthy saying that Jesus Christ came in the world to save sinners, he kind of adds his own little footnote and says, but by the way, I was the worst of them all. I mean, for a list of three, that's pretty bad. That's a pretty intense list of three. That's, you know, when I think about what, what, what Paul is saying, it's almost like he's saying that he's not a dog person. Like it's that bad. Or he's almost saying that he is a cat person, which is even worse. But let's look at verse 16 again, and Paul says this. But God had mercy on me, so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. I love this lesson. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Paul has an incredible understanding that what he's done, his past, when placed in the hands of God, can be something of a catalyst that can bring hope in the lives of other people. Paul understands that what he has done, although it is bad, when placed in, in the hands and given purpose that only Jesus can give when, 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 when he puts his past in the hands of God. What God can do with his past is so substantially more than you and I could ever do with it. The fact of the matter is when we understand what God can do, the miracles that God can do with our worst mistakes, it almost seems unfair to keep you in the closet. It almost seems unfair to not allow, unfair for, to, to not allow God to use them. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten to talk to teenagers in my, in my 10 plus years of youth ministry and, and, my, and just kind of just the way that life seems to, to deal me cards, man. I can't, even, I can't even tell you how many times I've had the opportunity to talk to people who deal with self-mutilation, depression, and, and give them hope because that's who I used to be. But that's not who I am anymore. I get the opportunity to use the thing that I'm honestly most embarrassed about. And the thing that I try and keep hidden the most and not discuss about. It's the thing that God seems to want to use a center stage in conversations. And, you know, uh, talking about attempted suicide and all these different things. And all I mean it's, it's, it seems to be the thing that I find myself talking about and, and, and people connect with it. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful for the fact that my past has the ability to give people hope because, again, I'm not who I once was. I'm not who I used to be. I'm not what I used to do. If you would asked me 15 years ago, would this be where I'd be standing? Would this be what I'd be doing? I was like, dude, I don't even know if I'm going to be alive in 15 years. I am. And it's amazing. And so I think, for many of us, it's going to be a very weird statement. And I I know it is, but quit being selfish with your past. Quit being selfish with it, because exactly what you've gone through is exactly what someone's going through, and they need to know that there's hope on the other side. I think sometimes um, this is in the day of us. say at the Lord or. I think the reason the devil tries so hard to use our past against us is I think that deep down he knows how much power they have. Because anything when put in the hands of Jesus has the ability to change lives and transform hearts. See, the truth is that we're not done yet. God is still working things out in and through us. and So we can have hope through Christ that what we've done or gone through is not who we are. And what we've done is not our destination. God offers us hope and a future through Christ. I think about uh, Jeremiah 29 And I get in all kinds of theological debates with people for using an Old Testament verse to speak about the righteousness and the grace of Jesus. And the thing that I love about Jesus is that I love that the scripture says he doesn't come to abolish the law, but he comes to complete it. And so we can look at a promise given by the prophet Jeremiah to the people of Israel. And we can take it as hope for our lives. And, and, and I feel like God would say to, to some people this morning, he says, here's the deal, I know the plans I have for you. The plans to prosper you and not to harm you, their plans to give you a hope and a future. And I can hold on to an Old Testament promise in the present and the future because of who Christ is and what Christ has accomplished. And yes, we all have passed, but we're all in process in and through grace. Nothing is over until God says it's over. And I think the biggest thing is that we have to acknowledge our pasts. We have to allow our pasts to be our past and we have to trust that our past does not determine our destination That we need to trust God Through the power of the Holy Spirit To work through our past For his glory And never for our shame So when we open the door To the deep and the dark It's not a circumstance That brings us shame Because we know when placed In the hands of Jesus What could happen Trust Jesus with your past, guys. Like you trust him with your present and your future. I'm going to pray real quick, and then we're going to put a a question up on the screen uh, for about five minutes. Again, we did this last week. It's kind of something new that we're doing. We we call it a discussion question. If you want, man, feel free to talk to people around you about it. Or, um, man, just take the question and just invite the Holy Spirit to begin to speak to you. I begin to minister to you, um, to maybe shed light on some things. Um, so this is, um, so it's a discussion question that you can have with people or that you can have with yourself and God. But if you begin to answer your own questions, we're going to start to worry about you. So uh, I'm going to pray. But Father, we thank you. God, I, I thank you. God, it, it never in my wildest dreams could I have ever imagined the plan that you had for my past. God, thank you for using the worst of me to reveal the best of you. God, I pray for people right now who feel shame when it comes to their past. Father, I ask that through your power and that through your Holy Spirit that you would remove shame because that's not who you are. But God, you would give expectancy and hope and attach faith when it comes to the topic of their past, God. Because I believe that we all have a story that people need to know. We all have circumstances that we've done that maybe people are in the midst of doing and need to know that there's hope on the other side. And so God, like, I, like I've told you a million times, God, you can use whatever you want from my life to bring you glory. Use my presence. Use my future. God, thanks for using my past. Thanks for allowing me the opportunity to use it as a weapon to make war on the lies of the devil. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to throw a question up there for you guys real quick, and then I'll be up and give you guys some, uh, some end-of-the-service type things to talk about. Bye.